Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to Season 3 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of ComicBook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and joining me today, I have two wonderful ladies from the comic book staff, Janelle Wheeler. Yo, the girl's holding it down. And <laughs> representing for our Marvel podcast, Phase Zero, Jamie Jerick is with us. Morning. Hello. So, in the spirit of uh, crossover universes and all that, we got a lot to talk about today, and that's all I'll say up front. But uh, two big movies out this week. We're going to be talking about Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Obviously, this is a Comic Book Nation podcast. But we're also going to touch on The Many Saints of Newark, the Sopranos prequel film, which I had a chance to see, uh, along with my Sopranos overall rewatch. So we're going to touch on that a little bit. I know not as many people have probably seen that yet, so we're not going to go too crazy on that, but we're going to talk about it. But what we are also going to talk about is what happened on Marvel's What If This Week and us getting a new MCU big bad because we got to break that down. Plus, after we give you guys kind of spoiler-free reviews of Many Saints of Newark and Venom 2, later on in the show we're going to get into kind of full spoilers about the this franchise, the Venom franchise, what kind of happens? I'm sure you've heard people freaking out and buzzing over the interwebs. So at the very end, you know, when people can have a chance to maybe drop off and if they haven't seen the movie, we're going to get to what all that happens in Venom and the ending and what it means for the future. So be sure if you've seen the film to stick around for that. And if you haven't come back here after you have and get that part of the show. So right up front, I've said enough. Jamie Jerick is here because not only is she a Marvel expert over there on Phase Zero, but she actually happened to do our official comic book review for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And I thought it would be only right rather than me, as she can tell you, uh, you know, screw up the English language and communication. She can handle <laughs> it herself. So, uh, Jamie, what did you think about Venom? What did you give it for us and why? Well, you know, I was not happy that I had to write that review because I don't like being negative oh, no. <laughs> and uh, and I wasn't a fan. And, you know, we talked about this before the show started. Uh, a lot of people are saying if you like the first Venom, you're going to like the second Venom. Well, I do not fall under that category. Because yeah, I, I was very excited I, for this. Yeah, I love the first Venom and this one did nothing for me. Um, I gave it a three out of five because it's not a, like a bad movie. It's just kind of a movie that exists. It's there. Uh, it has its moments you know tom hardy's obviously amazing um but there just wasn't enough eddie venom love for me uh the carnage fight was great um you know we'll talk about the the mid-credit scene later that was great but i left that movie and the only thing i was thinking about was the mid-credit scene and that's not a good sign of a 
of a good movie. Uh, You know, it's like when I left Infinity War, my favorite part may have been Nick Fury calling Carol, but that's not what I was talking about, you know? So uh, it's, it is what it is. I think that some people are going to love it. I think it's going to be just like the first Venom where it's super divisive. And I hope that you, I hope that all of you out there like it because uh, that's what I wanted for myself. All right. Um, I think that I'm in line with you a lot of what you're saying. Uh, There, this, the first Venom was also to me like a movie. It's like, hey, there's a movie. There's people in it. Some of those people I think I know, and there are characters here that are pretty much the archetype of every character I've seen before. But they're characters. The only thing I came away saying from the first Venom was Tom Hardy is a GD genius from just talking to himself on screen <laughs> and making an entire movie out of that, and and them leaning into the kind of absurdist comedy of that was the saving grace for me, and why I said. Above all, like, take away anything else, like, throw away everything else of the Venom franchise. I would still want, it's kind of the Ryan Reynolds Deadpool effect. Like, no matter what happens to the rest of this franchise, like, I would want Tom Hardy's Venom to stick around. So I was kind of happy to hear that we were getting Carnage in the next one, and Woody Harrelson would actually get to have a better wig and do a full Carnage (laughs) for this one. But um, I think it's surprising for me, too, that it was... I think I was more surprised that when you had Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson, like, on screen both talking to themselves and acting like, you know, crazy people that it was so mundane feeling that it was just kind of like, yeah, these are scenes and this is happening. And Andy Serkis, who's a talented kind of director and visual artist, like, and it was all kind of like, huh? Yeah. This is kind of mundane. Um, I I don't, this is just speculation because I don't know any of these things, but I I do wonder, and I kind of felt watching the movie, like how much COVID played a role in all this in mm. where things change from let's tell like a great entertaining awesome sequel to let's just get this thing in the bag and like get it out of here before we get lost in this uh because i think above all else tom hardy is a very efficient businessman about this venom movie stuff like he knows what's going to keep him in the black pun intended like and what's going to keep him in the red also pun intended but like <laughs> yeah you know and just if if all they had were scenes of him half like half scenes of him talking to each other and, or talking to himself and doing all that and they could cobble it together and make something like he's going to do it like and he's going to put it out and just be like let's get this done let's get this out of here and move the franchise along and so far it looks like that might be the right approach from the box office tracking it looks like that might actually work out but i think i and we talked about this out the theater i saw it with uh brandon davis and janelle and chris killian and other people here in nashville and we were talking like it feels like there is a movie and Brandon Davis and I'm going to put this on him. Oh, he was out like there in, the, in the hallway freaking out. I mean, getting the release, the circus cut kind yeah. of movement started on his own there. But um, yeah, I mean, it does feel like there was more to this movie that that either ended up on the cutting room floor or maybe never got you know, finished in front of the cameras either way. I feel like Uh, I should pipe in finally here (laughs) because we have, well, we have, you know, Danny in the chat is saying it's official. All of comic book does not like carnage. No false. I liked it a lot. Um, I will be the one person that will just take the hit and, and look like an amateur comic book lover. But I, I really enjoyed this. I went with a girlfriend. I brought a friend of mine. She is a super fan of venom. She was giggling so loud. She was screaming on parts when we were in a silent theater, like nobody was making a peep. Like she was like, yeah. And like, oh, it's just, which maybe that changed my experience because I had that energy like sitting next to me, but she was 
out loud, just like dying laughing. And that was really unexpected for me. And I really enjoyed the comedy side of this. Um, I do worry, and we I'm sure we have all talked about this. I know that MCU is kind of like, that's that's their thing now. They're like, we got to make sure it's comedic enough like to do it. It needs to be a Ragnarok, but it really was funny and I appreciated it. I thought the graphics were stunning. Um, we also had a couple comments in the chat, like it looks so stupid without the spider on the front. Like I hear you guys, like I see exactly what you're saying. Like the suit looks dumb without the spider on it. Cunning. I see you. Um, but I, at least I'm from a different standpoint. I did really enjoy it. I I'm this person that says more content, more content, more content. So for me, I'm just really happy to have anything but you're right like certain lackluster elements were carnage you know like it, it just i just feel like i i, I actually felt sorry I, I was honestly feeling sorry for the villains like i actually kind of wanted the villains to win because my heart went out to them i felt bad for them they were abused they were mistreated they were mentally ill they were in love they wanted to be together and then that is the part that i kind of was like wait am i supposed to be like loving these villains because i really want them to win a little bit <laughs> so that was my only misstep for me but otherwise i liked it and uh, you know, that's that's just the other side. I want you to know we're balanced here. We got both. We got we got middle. We got haters. We got in the middle. Well, let's just be clear. I mean, people just I mean, everybody kind of knee jerks. Everybody heard me yeah. say a couple criticism about Venom. It's like, <laughs> oh, comic book hates Venom. <laughs> yeah. The end goal is still the same. And I still retain my same opinion. The At the end of this, I still want to see Tom Hardy as Venom. I want to yeah. see more Venom. And I want to see where things go from here more than ever. So for whatever criticism I have about the stumbles of Carnage, I still am more probably more enthused than I've ever been to see Tom Hardy's Venom continue. And we'll get I will to never that. not get excited. If, yeah, if exactly. Tom Hardy's going to be Venom, I'm going to be excited about it. Yeah. I think what, amazing. Like, he's amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, he is. And I think and he's really embraced that character in ways that make Eddie Brock both the character we know from the comics and highlighting different things about it that makes it fresh. So I still like all that. I'm just pointing out that it felt like there was something. And I question again, because this was filming and stumbling and stopping and starting during the pandemic. If the kind of full richness yeah. of this movie got lost somewhere in the, in the kind of desperate efficiency just to get it completed and get movies going and keeping <laughs> things going, which I is where Sony's head is at. Yeah. Like, yes. We want more artistic time for those v Venom reshoots to pump up these great villain characters that Woody and Naomi are playing, but like money dying money. Like, you know, I mm -hmm. just kind of always wonder, so will we hear about, I mean, is this a candidate for like one of those release the cuts? Yes, probably. You're probably going to hear this, but I, the end result is the same. They sold me on keeping me in this franchise and wanting more. So mm -hmm. that's like, I want King in Black. <laughs> like hey, so man. bad. I'm never, so, I'm not opposed so to, a King in, like, to a King in Black with Tom Hardy. That's why I want it to That'd do well, because I want King in Black. Like I want that to be the next place we go after like this Doctor Strange multiverse of madness stuff. Like I would love King in Black to just like tie it all up. Oh, that'd be so awesome. Anyway, sorry. 
Yeah, you're dreaming big, kid, and it's nice. But keep dreaming. I love that. I was going to say, you know, I I love that you said that it like helped that you went with a big Venom fan and there was a good yeah. energy there. Because I literally said that on Phase Zero that this is the kind of movie that it's going to be about your circumstance. If yeah. you go in like like high energy, whatever. Um, like I was a little tired, and I think that that's part of the reason I didn't like have the best time of my life, which you know shouldn't be the end all be all of how right. a movie goes. But I I do love that you said that because that is exactly what I said this movie is going to be and nice. uh and and so everybody just be positive go in with a good attitude have some fun maybe drink take a little shot that's also what i said I'm before you go in. oh my gosh that's great <laughs> i love that <laughs> this is definitely a drinking movie like you can definitely drink and watch this movie oh, yeah. and enjoy it <laughs> you don't have to. arturo zavala I, I mean i don't know what to tell you it is a comedic movie i don't know what you were hoping to get like Cletus Cassidy, Woody Harrelson, Tom Hardy, Venom. I, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, there is a weird amount of drama here, but it's again, it's Tom Hardy having drama with himself. Um, so how you take that is up to you, I guess. Uh, I, I think it's funny, um, but uh, yeah. All right, well, we're gonna leave it there because we are gonna come back at the end and get into the larger big implications of Venom. Let there be carnage for the future and the full spoilers. So I want to again get through some more stuff. Give people who haven't seen the film a chance to listen to more of the uh, show, and then we're going to go in hard on that uh, on that uh, full spoiler stuff in a bit. All right, let's talk Marvel's What If real quick. So Marvel's What If this week was What If Ultron won, which I think, well, yeah, I'm going to go out and say is probably, besides Evil Doctor Strange, was my favorite episode of the series so far. Uh, basically, you know, not, I mean, the premise is pretty simple. What if Avengers Age of Ultron had that pivotal point of them keeping vision away from Ultron from him completing his perfect form had gone sideways. And he did. And uh, it gave us a lot of crazy fun Easter egg moments in a different way than the kind of Thor party Thor episode did because it showed us just to kind of fans are getting a lot of gifts and memes out of this one. I mean, the Thanos thing alone, when he shows up and gets just cut in half by the mind stone, <laughs> Has become oh, yeah, like, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what if? I mean, it's dude, it's, it's Friday. If you haven't seen what if, if you're saving it for the weekend, sorry. I mean, there's big movies <laughs> out this week, check those out. Um, but uh, yeah, it finally gave the series certain amount of stakes, which is, I think, something we've talked about. I know phase zero, I've heard you guys talk about a lot is what if is great, but it doesn't feel like there's stakes and, and big enough stakes to each of these are just kind of throwaways. But uh, if that was your problem, man, this episode really kind of changed things on a dime because we have an Ultron who gets the Infinity Stones, conquers all of the MCU, and then discovers the multiverse, right? And then breaks into the multiverse to have what ha was my one of my favorite Marvel fights of all time versus Jeffrey Wright's Watcher. And uh, kudos to Jeffrey Wright just for handling the dialogue of that fight sequence, which is amazing. But uh, yeah. This got to play with the what if concept in a wonderful way. And just seeing Ultron and the Watcher fight across the multiverse is something that I think really highlights the strength. I mean, I really like the animation in this episode, particularly. I was not always a fan of it, certainly not on early on. But in this one, I could see why they did it because it was it was pretty gorgeous. But uh, what do you guys think? I mean, is this Ultron thing just going to be a throwaway for uh, you think what if season one? 
because a lot of Marvel fans have wanted their Ultron back. Could this have larger in the larger question here? Is anything in this series going to have actual larger implications for the MCU? You think? Jamie Jarek, you're the yeah, yeah you're on the hot seat. You're the expert here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love Ultron so much. I mean, I'm one of the like. Don't let this uh, diminish your thoughts on me, but I love the movie Age of Ultron. Me so, too. Uh, uh, thank you. Let's go. Um, and and so I, I'm so excited for more Ultron. My thing, which again I said this on Phase Zero, is that it's hard for me to accept Ultron that's not James Spader. So if we do get more, it's like, can we just get some? James oh Spader yeah, that yeah. was that what? was a little rough. I'm not gonna lie. That was a Why? real that was real rough. James Spader not being Ultron, like I didn't think it would mess. I knew they wouldn't get him back. You can only um, I mean it was a miracle you trap Spader down for one time, but like Okay. Yeah. Am you I could hearing? feel you could feel that it wasn't him. Like some oh, of them I yeah, didn't really no realize, video. but there are a lot of people you can replicate in Hollywood, obviously, right. from watching what if. But you cannot if you've ever had a conversation with James Spader and I, I don't want to say the pleasure, but I have had the mind bending experience of doing it. There is only one James Spader and like, you can't replicate that voice. Nobody can. Like, yeah. it, it, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. But I mean, they got, they did the whole vision quiffing real quick so that they could have an excuse why we don't have James Spader. We have fake Paul Bettany Ultron instead of like uh vision or uh, instead of James Spader Ultron. But yeah, that nearly broke me too. Well, I, that we talked about this in phase zero. It's weird that it wasn't Paul Bettany. It's yeah. Ross Marquand. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's like Paul Bettany would have, it makes sense because he's not the Jarvis thing doesn't happen, but I feel like it would have been e- an easier pill to swallow if yeah. it had been Paul Bettany. Absolutely. And I love Ross Marquand. Love him. Yeah, oh yeah. Huge fan. <laughs> But no, yeah, no diss on his work as right. a voice actor. It's just you know, there's there's one James Spader. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this episode for me personally was just like everything I ever needed because I even get spoiler yet again. Uh, I get anytime there's a strange appearance whatsoever, I'm like, yes, my boy is here. He's saving the day. Let's go. Um, but like, there are so many breakdowns that go like frame by frame of all of the juicy like details in this episode. So. As many of you know, like I've been a really big fan of What If from the beginning. I don't really like animated anything, and this kind of converted me. So, um, yeah, this episode really nailed it for me. I loved it, and I'm so excited to see where it goes. And I know your question, Kofi, was like, where do we go from here? Are we going to have, you know, Ultron in the next season or whatever? And honestly, if they drag this out into a season two, as long as Strange is there, I'm cool. <laughs> so if I get more strange and what if, like I'm down. <laughs> evil Doctor Strange is your jam, huh? I love evil Doctor Strange, by the way. Sorcerer Supreme. I love him. Yeah, I knew you were true. I shook my head at that end scene. <laughs> I was like, this is pure Janelle fan service. <laughs> of course he saves the day. He's the best. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh boy. But um, yeah, it was I mean, in the end, I was glad to have Ultron back. I I mean, as I've come around, I've softened on Age of Ultron since since its age, and I've gotten to kind of enjoy it more. There's a lot I like about it, but one thing I obviously didn't like is I, I never liked that Marvel keeps eliminating all their villains because I would have liked more Ultron in the future. So I guess this is that. So going to keep an eye on what if, and it looks like we're building towards a finale. Now, Jamie, do you think, you know, my theory is because Thanos got cut in half, is this a direct connection to like Gamora's The Mad Titan? Does she pick up the blade to kind of uh, avenge daddy or uh, how are we going to get there? Right. We know she's coming and there's the, this is it. So 
it has to be right. Um, I, I didn't even consider that, that like she'd be coming uh, to like avenge him, but I like that idea. All right. I hope my daughter avenges me when somebody. From <laughs> me. All right. Great. So honey, if you ever hear this, make it swift. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take a break. Then when we come back, we're going to get into this full venom discussion. So I love you guys and I want you all to be here. But when we get back from this break, we are going to go into full spoilers of Venom. Let there be carnage. And I don't want to ruin the experience for anybody who's planning to go see the movies this weekend because movies are like gold. Now we never know how many we're going to get or when we're going to be able to see them. So I want you guys to have a full experience, but if you have seen it, stick around because we are going to talk about Venom. Let there be carnage. First, I'm going to talk about the Soprano. So I guess you got a little more time. Stick around after the break. We'll be back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, we're back. We need to ask Jamie, did that freak you out? The sound? Yeah, yeah. it sure did. <laughs> yeah, it happens every time it gets you, right? Yeah. Let's make sure we stay on our toes every single like, time. The chat already yeah. knows. It's great. Yep. We got to stay primed together. Safety in numbers. All right. So we're back. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about The Sopranos and Many Saints of Newark first real quick. Then we'll go into uh, full Venom 2 spoilers. So uh, it's just me. The Many Saints of Newark is out on in theaters and on HBO Max. Uh, if you have premiere access on HBO Max, uh, it's out today. And this is the Sopranos prequel film that is directed by Alan Taylor, your boy from Thor The Dark World. And which is a funny story because Alan Taylor's name now gets dragged through the mud for making films like Thor The Dark World and um, Terminator Genesis. But he really did cut his teeth making some of the best TV we've seen, like in Game of Thrones, The Sopranos, and, and other series. So he's Alan Taylor is going back to his roots after that sordid run in Hollywood. And I got to say, it's good for him because this is a really good film. This is like one of the better mob films I've seen in a long time. Uh, yes, you do have to kind of know about The Sopranos to really appreciate it fully, but not totally. I mean, it's a good character story. It's about Christopher Montesanti's father, Dickie Montesante, who was this major figure in Tony Soprano's life and uh, helped shape him fundamentally as a gangster. And it's about kind of what Dickie's life was like and, and kind of what went down back in the 1960s, uh, the turbulent time in Newark. And, you know, obviously kind of things with like racial overtones, you know, all this stuff. So um, I kind of tweeted about this in. One thing I've been disappointed in prequels in is that a lot of prequels, nobody's really cracked the formula of styling a prequel in a way that makes them relevant in the sense that I've always thought a good prequel should honor what you know about the lore, but also show you the kind of trickiness of history and time and memory and, and, and people's stories, right? Because things are rarely how you how we portray them. The past is rarely how we portray it in memory or even how we capture it in history through stories, history books, whatever. Um, and playing with that idea is something very few pre prequels do. They're just step-by-steps like Easter egg 
dots of like, here's this thing, then this thing, and this thing, and now we're where that place that you already knew we were going to get to. Um, Many Saints of Newark is thankfully different. It really does play with the idea of the Sopranos lore and what we know about it. In the series, which I also just rewatched up until yesterday until this came out, you know, there's a lot of backstories that Tony Soprano tells through either with his friends or in therapy about his life in the heroes, quote unquote, in it and, and what the events of those lives were. Uh, and this movie reveals that, no, it's not quite like that. And, and, and again, the whole mob mythology that the Sopranos deconstructed is shown in a more kind of complex light in this movie. And Dickie Montesante is shown in a much more complex light. And it's good because it's not a straight up prequel. It ends, but it also leaves the door open for more of this history to be explored down the line and for it to be equally as interesting because this movie also has several key twists in it. And if you're a, a Sopranos fan who remembers in, or is refreshed on what the series did and what it said and the events that happened, this deepens the kind of tragedy and intrigue of Tony Soprano's life, his family life, and their whole mob family life in significant ways by showing you kind of what he remembers in as an idealistic child isn't at all quite living up to the portrait of what really what happened. Um, there's also an excellent story with Les- Leslie Odom Jr. as the kind of first black gangster in the Sopranos universe, uh, somebody who used to work for Dickie who decides you know, he wants to build his own thing and his own empire. And that's kind of the central conflict of this movie is between these two men and kind of what spirals out of that. But uh, it's very good. And while some of the people who appear as Sopranos characters are kind of caricatures of them, it's still, again, they do a good enough job of really showing you funny things about who these guys were in their youth that you didn't get from the original series that really kind of expands the complexity of the portrait. So Really worth checking out The Many Saints of Newark if you're a Sopranos fan. I'll just end by saying, if you've never seen The Sopranos, this is a good time to get into it again. Um, I did the rewatch, and I think there's a lot of debate between like The Sopranos and The Wire. If you were watching HBO in the 2000s, this is a constant debate. But I've come to appreciate both of them recently. Uh, the Wire is kind of a portrait of American criminal justice and, and law enforcement and crime and all that. But The Sopranos, David Chase really did a freaky good job, if you watch it now, of kind of exploring how American society would hit this point going into the 21st century of having our old 20th century archetypes kind of fall away, our idols, our societal be, you know behaviors and cultural outlooks and all the kind of simplistic things we did. And as we got into this more complex 21st century, and especially after 9-11, the kind of existential dread, cultural confusion and utter ultimately chaos and conflict that would come out of trying to discover who we are and where we belong in the 21st century. And it's actually really smart and good about doing that on a fundamental level. And I think it's, it's so good. And no, that ending isn't terrible. That ending is really, um, <laughs> Oh no, really we're heading into this. Case. Yeah. Hey, but by the way, that was a beautiful review. Like yeah, you, literally, you literally just sold me on watching the show. HBO and I've never an envelope. Don't ask about it. And like, yeah. I get an envelope. It's under the table. Don't ask. So well but, uh, said. But uh, yeah, great series. And it's haunting now to see James Gandolfini and know that like this was the, you know, how short his career was cut by his untimely death. And mm-hmm. to see his son step up and play him in The Many Saints of Newark 
it, it's kind of gives you chills, but he does a great job. And the whole cast of that movie does a great job. So Rock check on. that out. Yeah. All right. That's my stump for HBO. I wish I did get a check from them. All right. <laughs> this is it. This is the point. Rich, can we get a spoiler warning for Venom? Let there be carnage because we are going to get into full spoiler territory yes we do okay let me just get into the sopranos ending i don't usually like to rant but Uh here it is the sopranos ending is very simple tony soprano quote unquote wins in his war against new york but the end of the series he also cuts off therapy and never really makes the mental kind of emotional progress that he was supposed to be making his therapist ultimately discovers that all she's doing is real studies kind of figured out is that therapy just reinforces criminals, criminal tendencies. They learn to better lie, better kind of simple, make themselves sympathetic and, and basically learn a bunch of sociopathic things from the therapeutic process because you can't treat a sociopath and like bring them back away from, you know, their bad behaviors as a therapist or make them suddenly realize it. They just find new ways of kind of processing and justifying and doing any, or or just venting and and doing all kinds of things. Anyway. So Tony never changes. The end scene in the diner is meant to make you realize that this is is going to be his life for the rest of his life. His problem in the series was panic attacks, the emotional toll of his business, his ill kind of choices and all that stuff. If you watch the series again, he's constantly when times and drama come looking over his shoulder, nervous, anxious about what could happen, who could get hit and like all this stuff. And the final scenes of that are him just trying to have dinner with his family an all American dinner. But he can never react, relax because every person who comes in the diner, every person who sits near him, potential threat, he's got an eye and like worry about his loved ones. And when it cuts to black, it's either, it's kind of either a reference to what he talks about his brother-in-law who got killed. Like when it happens, finally, it could be just sudden or him passing out and having another panic attack, whatever you want to interpret, but like, this is going to be his life. It sucks. So that was kind of the message of that. And it was brilliant. Venom. Venom. (laughs) As I always say, people are entitled to their opinions, even if they are wrong, let's move on. Venom. (laughs) All right. I've talked enough. Jamie Jirik, you are like one of the biggest Marvel fans. I know we have spoilers up for Venom. Let there be carnage. Let's talk about that post-credit scene. What was your reaction? I mean, so it's funny because uh, I, I don't know if you guys had the same kind of experience where before the movie, there's a Andy Circus and Tom Hardy. Uh, there are clips of them being like, don't spoil the movie. No. And just, yeah. They, and it's funny because it was like, okay, I think we know what's coming. And we all are saying, don't spoil it, don't spoil it. But there's only one thing to spoil in the whole movie, and that's the mid credit scene. So here we go. We're going to say it. Um <laughs> Uh, Venom is chilling out or Eddie's chilling out watching TV. He gets all of a sudden things are happening. It's a uh, visuals kind of like, is he going to a new multi or another verse? That's what it seems like. He's in a nicer hotel. He turns on the TV changes. It is now the uh, news clip from the end of far from home with that's right. Spider-Man, Peter Parker, they exist now in the same universe. Oh my God. It's just what we've always waited for. So um, <laughs> it's happening. Uh, uh does this mean he's going to be in No Way Home? Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, everyone in the mother. <laughs> everyone is, is yeah. <laughs> Maybe the old so Sebastian I'm, Stan right there. Yes. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, yeah, of course I freaked out. Like, that's exciting. Let me see Tom and Tom doing their toms together. Uh, that's all I want in my eyeballs. 
<laughs> that's amazing. We keep I, long track of phrasing on the show. Podcast. Yeah. Yes, we see Tom and Tom's doing their Tom's together. All right, yeah. so I'm off for my eyeballs. Excellent. Um, yeah. So okay. So yeah, Venom. They pull this thing where now, it, I mean, there's a lot of questions raised by this, right? First, is this just like a one-off thing, which is the kind of more cynical way of looking at it? It's like, there's a problem with the multiverse, whether it's Doctor Strange's spell or Wanda and, the, and messing around with the spell book or, you know, Sylvie wrecking the multiverse are all three happening at once that result in the kind of multiverse mix up of Spider-Man No Way Home, Sinister Six also is going to bring Venom into the MCU. Now, by the time Spider-Man and Doctor Strange get this all resolved, will Venom be transported back home? What will that mean and for then Tom King Hardy? And Black. Yeah, like what will that mean for Tom Holland, Spider-Man? Will he end up in the Venomverse? Like, what does this all kind of mean? Or is Tom Hardy finally getting, you know, that full Kevin Feige knighting that he can play in this universe too? Just like Tom Holland could kind of hop the border even if the majority of the Spider-Man mess will be left over in Sony, uh, will we see Tom Hardy's Venom being able to interact with characters in the MCU? Um, I personally think Hardy has, it, like I said, and indicated in the non-spoiler part, I think Hardy has at least gotten to that Ryan Reynolds level of he earned his spot. I mean, he built Venom on his back like when nobody else would in, in it, by all accounts, it's looking like he's going to be twice successful, at least financially doing this. So I think he's earned his way into the MCU. The rest of this mess, I don't know about. Um, but Tom Hardy's Venom, and that's exactly what Kevin Feige does. They literally make a portal and snatch him. The rest of the franchise is wherever it is, but they snatch Venom. And uh, I don't think any of us saw that coming. I thought we could see Tom Holland go through a portal to the Venom first, but I never thought like they would just snatch just singular Venom. Right. And, and this is so much better. MCU. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring the good guy into the good universe, not the, you know, like. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. 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 Don't lower Tom Holland, raise Tom Hardy. Like, exactly. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and, and yeah. So at this point, I think it's safe to say we're going to see, I mean, Spider-Man needs all the help he can get. I mean, he it sounds like we're going to get a couple more Spider-Man. Now I don't believe a damn thing Andrew Garfield is saying. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Andrew Garfield has lied to my face before. All of the American, amazing Spider-Man 2 cast lied to my face during those interviews. But uh, um, yeah, I don't believe anything he's saying anymore. Like if it, I said, I think we came out of the theater, Janelle, and you, me, and Brandon, and Chris were standing there. And I think I said, either to you or to Brandon and Chris, I said, um, at this point, I think I, I, it'd be hilarious to see No Way Home come out and just see like Holland, McGuire, Tom Hardy all fighting this multiverse Sinister Six and no Andrew Garfield, just so we could do like a wellness check on him on like premiere night and just be like, where is he right now? And is he okay? Like, <laughs> is he doing all right? That would like, be yeah. great. Um, because if he was the only person left out, that would be, that'd be, I'd feel almost bad for him too, though. Like, yeah. Because it seems like he everybody's be gonna be jumping we need We need them all. Like, it's I, all or nothing. Come on. I, and I still have, I've never seen The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I, I know. And and uh, I know. Uh, and so I plan to watch it before this. And if I watch that for nothing, I'm going to be oh pretty my bad. Gosh, I don't want to yeah. watch Emma die. <laughs> it's rough, man. I'm not going to lie. That is rough. Yeah, I mean, that movie, that. I can leave a lot of that movie, but the acting they did in that scene is rough. I was just <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah, I cried a little, but uh, I'm man enough to admit that. Anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, this is exciting. I Like I said, I would love, and people already have some good ideas. Uh, some people, one person was wiling it out on Twitter what I was doing a reaction speech saying, 
this is not good enough. They're mad if they shoehorn Venom into No Way Home. They need an entire Spider-Man versus Venom movie. That's not off the board, buddy. We could still get that. That's it's. I mean, we could be going towards King and Black, like Janelle said. There's a lot of Spider-Man and Venom to get through before we get to that point, right? <laughs> so there's a lot going on here. But um, yeah, I would love to see Venom and Ryan Reynolds Deadpool just trying to have a conversation in a scene. <laughs> like, that would be yeah, amazing. I mean, just that alone is amazing. Oh my and it's kind of crazy stuff I'm just like envisioning now for MCU phase five where like anything is possible after the multiverse, right? Like, yeah, I just want to see Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock, the Venom symbiote, and Ryan Reynolds Deadpool just trying to like figure out some kind of conversation. And maybe Venom chooses like, you know, favors Deadpool for a second and hops ship and, you know, we get like, dead venom or whatever we want to call it or venom pool and like yeah all kinds of stuff that is now possible so yeah like i said venom you may not like let there be carnage but by the end of this you're gonna want more venom so we have a question in the chat chris is asking thoughts on the detective what's up with him good call we all kind of just like they, went they, whatever they, because of the end credit scenes but yeah like that's a big cliffhanger situation yeah so that's kind of confusing because is it the new shriek uh, well, that guy, like, I mean, that's kind of what was implied, like that okay. he got some kind of, of blue eyes and sonic yeah. powers and she after she blasted him. But in the comics, that character becomes Riot uh, or Toxin, which is another symbiote. So hey, I'm not really sure what that was. And I'm not sure Venom is really sure what that was yet. Yeah. Because, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, and it was and it's a shame because. That actor, Stephen Graham, is like one of the better actors out there. You can get uh, character actors. He played like, um, oh, man, Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire. He's been like, I mean, just like in Sherlock Holmes. Like he's just one of the great character actors right now. And so, like, I'm hoping they do something good with him because, like, what else? I mean, why else would you have him? In yeah. This? And like, what are you setting up with that? So, Jamie, what do you think? Yeah, I mean it's one of those things where it's like, clearly it, it has to be going somewhere, but that's not clearly is not a smart thing to say when you're dealing with these Sony movies. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I'm like, if it was, if this was a, a pure MCU, I'd be like, yeah, if they have a plan, they're going somewhere. But, um, but it, I'm sure right now it's just a sprinkle a of an idea point. that they might go back to later. Ah, uh, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. I'm always like, yeah, it's going to happen. Like, it's totally happening. Like, this is going to be something crazy. Although I don't always know what that's going to be. I'm, but I that's actually know. a really good point. You're right. With because of the MCU, they always have a plan. But I don't know. We'll see. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure where they're going with that. But like Jamie said, don't ever use the words obviously when talking Sony. <laughs> All right. That's Venom. Let there be carnage. Please guys, let us know your thoughts. Hit us up at comic book nation. When you've seen the film, let us know your reactions and all that good stuff. Cause we're always interested. Let's talk comics real quick before uh, we got to get out here. Wow. Okay. 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 So let's talk comics this week. And uh, yeah, Janelle has had feels. So let's talk about Ooh. it. Let's start with X-Men Inferno number one. Matt's not here today. Uh, it is Matt's wife's Anissa's birthday today. Happy birthday, Anissa. You're the only thing that probably keeps this kid uh, on the rails so that we can utilize <laughs> his greater skills. Uh, after working with Matt many years and sometimes the two of us only at night, I appreciate his wife showing up and doing awesome things to keep to keep him going. And sometimes me too. So happy birthday, Anissa. And uh, you guys enjoy the day. We'll hold down the comics part for you. Now, X-Men Inferno number one. Janelle... You, I mean, I love X-Men. I love House of X. I've loved Dawn of X. Uh, this is a pivotal 
series point for that whole storyline. But Janelle, you heard me kind of wild out on Slack yesterday because I had to do an article for this issue. And I thought, hey, that's cool. That sounds like fun. I'm just going to hop up, read Inferno and do this article like. Yeah, like an hour and a half later, I was like finally done. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, whew, that was a lot to read. There was so much. I was like 50 pages. And then it was like 50 pages of X-Men dialogue. And like, I don't even remember if there's a lick of action in that issue. Um, no. So it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, Inferno is basically in Hickman loves just pulling out these crazy in, in the creative team, pulling out these provocative titles for like what is ultimately not a provocative thing, like 10 of swords. We're like, Oh hell, what's that going to be? And then it's like a party. Um, yeah. <laughs> and anyway, a dinner party. Uh, and so Inferno invokes that old X-Men demon realm, Madeline prior thing. But really this is just like Krakoan politics 101 in this issue. Right? So the X-Men have formed their own Island. They're trying to deal with it, but they've let a lot of problems go kind of festering. And this issue is now literally a, just a laundry list of, hey, here's some issues we got to clean up and conversations about said issues. And we finally get back Moira McTaggart, who's been missing since like House of X. So, Janelle, how did you deal? How are you feeling? Because you are critical about when the X-Men start gabbing. You are just like. <sighs> I. It's just so difficult for newbies with X-Men. It's so hard to understand what is going on. And there were little moments that I was like, oh, that's cool. I Oh, what's this about? And then they change the scene or they go somewhere else. And I'm, they just kept losing me. I was literally like, I don't, I do not fall asleep when I read. And I was going in the middle of the day, I was, I was like passing out, like could not stay focused. It was really, really difficult for me to read this book. And I love the artwork. I, I like these characters. I wish I knew them better. And I'm just coming from a noob. It is just really difficult to get into the Marvel stuff or to the Marvel, to the X-Men stuff. Like it's hard. It's, and if you're feeling the same thing, I am like house of M was like spectacular and amazing and awesome. And like, I could understand and I knew references cause it wasn't just all bogging you down, but this is a lot of information to take in. And it's kind of like, I don't understand. <laughs> Jamie Jeer, did you uh, check out Inferno by any chance? I haven't yet, though. But I think it's really funny that you said about House of M because I had the opposite. Pro I had I have the same problem with that, where it's like um, there were certain things where I had to text my friend and be like, "Is this different? Uh, is this is this a thing that changed?" Because some of oh. it was so subtle. I'm like, "Were these people working together before, or is that part of what changed?" Yes. Uh, so it, it so it times does. that by a hundred, <laughs> and that's what this is. <laughs> that's where you're gonna be with this. It's just so confusing. It's just a lot if you don't know the background. And I'm sure I'm I'm just speaking from from my like, hey, I don't know side. I'm not speaking from an expert or from a super fan that's been reading this forever. You guys probably loved this. It was probably a spectacular book if if you have a lot of background, but I just don't have that. And I, I think I, it's cool that you're diving in and you're good because it's, it's daunting. It's like really trying. intimidating to jump into something like that. It, Comic yeah. book nation. <laughs> not only, not only is Inferno challenging if you're a newbie to X-Men, but like in a weird way, this book kind of requires you to have read like most of the other books in the X-Men line to really get kind of finer points of what's playing out here. And by the, there's a big twist at the ending. They bring back a major mutant character that's been kind of sidelined in the Marvel universe for a while and the mechanics of that were hinted at in other books. But like, if you don't know, 
Like there's a lot to this that this issue requires. This is just not like a jumping on point. This is if you've been reading the separate titles, here's another time where it's time to bring everything back together and centralize it. And that's kind of what X-Men Inferno is a lot does, but with a lot of talking. So hopefully things get a little bit more action packed as things go forward. Because 50, yeah, 50 pages of this was a lot. Moving over, I'm going to hop to DC real quick and talk about Deathstroke Incorporated, which was like the complete opposite experience of X-Men Inferno. Uh, Janelle, what did you think of this book? Oh, I loved this. I am familiar with Deathstroke because of like the Arrowverse and obviously like Death Sider and you know, Justice League and all that. And so it just felt really cool to see him, you know, having his own story for me first time ever reading like a Deathstroke only, like in, a, in that type of role. Uh, book. I, I'm used to seeing him as like a villain or somebody that everybody dreads and it's it's bad, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool and I loved the villain and I love that I'm kind of confused at the end like, oh gosh, wait, maybe that's not the actual villain. Maybe somebody else is and it's just, a, it's exciting. It's alluring. Like I, I'm definitely going to continue reading this one for sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I would feel about Slade Wilson trying to play hero. I mean, yeah. we've gone down that route before um, but this was different and, and this kind of did Deathstroke in a fresh, different kind of way. First of all, the kind of more cartoony nature I wasn't expecting of it. It's bright, it's colorful, it's very comic-y. Uh, and the team up I wasn't really expecting to work so well, which is Deathstroke working with Black Canary on a mission. Like two very unlikely people that I would think for DC characters I would like to see teamed up, but strangely works because Black Canary's tough and she's kind of like no nonsense in the way that she calls Slade Wilson on his BS and like, and she can't, and he's like, and he kind of likes her, but he's still Slade Wilson. And so they have this great chemistry together. Um, like you could see them hooking up one day, but you don't want to necessarily, but you could see it. <laughs> I would love that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and they're just kind of good. And they take a lot of the DC framework, like hive. And uh, I think as Argus mentioned in this in the beginning and other agencies and trust and and they kind of create an interesting framework. And they're also incorporating other things that are happening in the other books in an interesting way, like Batman losing all his fortune and his tech and all that. Mm-hmm. You see this book kind of incorporates the ramifications of that, showing that, you know, trust and Slade and other people are are starting to kind of collect that tech and what the implications of that are. Um, but, yeah, this was just a reinvention of Deathstroke that worked and an interesting character thing that Slade Wilson is saying, you know, they kind of strip it away and get meta saying, yeah, this isn't some like weird dramatic reason for being a hero. I've just had a life and things have sucked and I just want to try something that maybe won't suck now and like be a little more positive, which is good for post pandemic Deathstroke. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was interesting. I'm interested to see where things go. There's a little preview page at the end of this issue that shows like in kind of TV drama format, like a couple just little split scenes of what the next few issues will be like. There's one where like Deathstroke and Black Canary are in space. There's one yeah. where they're doing something supernatural, like they're trying to get in a super in a house on a supernatural realm. And then there's one where he faces uh, Damian Wayne and Damian screaming, you killed him, which is a big like, uh oh, you know, a death <laughs> kind of tease. And so, yeah, it's kind of wacky. It's like Deathstroke with a little bit of Deadpool influence. And I, and yeah. I didn't think I would like that, but they don't go overboard. Like they don't make Deathstroke Deadpool. They just yeah. give a little bit more of that kind of lighthearted, fun, meta DC tone to it. And uh, yeah, it worked. 
I've been loving DC comics lately, by the way. Like it's, I've been, I personally, maybe you guys are just picking really good ones for me, but I really have been enjoying them. I know, I know you haven't really been liking much since like dark detective stuff, huh? Uh, no, I, I think here's what I'll say. I think the DC comics that come out that I read are really good. I think week to week though, the slates, the overall slates, DC's is trash compared to Marvel's overall slate. Mm. But uh, the DC books that I pick, I do like very right. much. Right, and you, so. that, that's why, because you guys are telling me to read the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Jamie, I just started you? a DC journey myself. Awesome. Because um, I, I had not read, all, except for like Watchmen, if, yeah. if that counts. Um, so I'm reading Bombshells right now, which is <sighs> really my jam. Uh Mainly because I want to get a Harley Ivy tattoo, but I don't want a, uh, the art from the animated series. And I'm like, well, yeah. I like pinup stuff, but I can't just get a tattoo. That's, that's, I'm making <laughs> the ultimate poser. So I got to read it and like it, but I'm really enjoying it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So you, I, I assume you haven't. Okay. So we can move on. You haven't. Do you have anything? No, I have, you don't no, no, okay. I have no. All right, cool. Um, I didn't do my comic book nation homework, everybody. No, you're fine. So it's, we did. No, it's all good. We threw you in here at the last minute. It's all good. And we're uh, glad you don't you're have, here. You don't, yeah, nobody has to submit to Matt's agenda except for us. For some reason. <laughs> um, yeah. So the last one, I started with the bad, then we went to the good. And this one is just kind of the weird in the middle. Uh, Darkhold Alpha number one, which is Marvel's new series, which is attempting to kind of re-bring back the Darkhold into the mix. Uh, but does so in a weird kind of comic-y Avengers way. Um, and that's about all I can say about it. it. It brings... Dr. Doom discovers there's a mystical threat, and I never even... I hate this Marvel villain because I can never say his stupid name. It sounds like something that they uh, stole from... Uh, what's that horror <laughs> guy's name? Cthulhu. Who made Cthulhu? Uh, Lovecraft. They tried... They're stealing, like... Uh, his name is, like, Chiton... Uh, Chathon or something like I that. I kept saying Chathon, I think. Yeah, Chathon, the mystical, that evil mystical being. In the Feel free to correct us, guys. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I don't care. Nobody really yes. cares about this guy. Uh, we want Suma Gorath. Get out of here with this. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, Chathon is coming back. That's a major mystical supernatural threat to the Marvel Universe. And so Doctor Doom has kind of gotten wise to this. So has Scarlet Witch. And so they try to kind of work together in hilariously odd couple fashion to create some kind of defense. And they go to the Darkhold. And they pick some uh, defenders that can help them stand against this threat. But it's basically just the same characters Marvel is using for every team right now. It's mm-hmm. Captain America, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Blade, Wasp, and then they throw in Black Bolt for good measure. So it's Doctor Doom, Scarlet Witch, and these Avengers character people. And they try to kind of stop this threat. They mess up with the Darkhold and spoilers at the end. They create Darkhold versions of themselves called the Darkhold Defilers. So cool looking. Yeah. And that's the coolest part. Like this issue, but this issue is a slog too. It is. Like it's so much just Marvel, mystical references, blah, 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 blah. Scarlet Witch arguing Trying to explain what it is and where they're going and how they're getting there. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, just, just actually do those things. Yeah. (laughs) And that would be great. Um, But I would say you're right. This one's right in the middle. It's, it's pretty good. You know, Wanda's like in my top. So seeing her, it makes me really, really excited. There's some real highlights. I know Jamie, that's, that's your girl. Yeah. The Wanda Doom stuff is like Wanda and Doom's kind of interactions in the, in the kind of first third of this book before they collect these other heroes are really great. Like I'm loving this like jaded X vibe. Like, like there's so much weird X tension in the beginning. Yeah. And like, (laughs) 
it, it is that stuff is good in the doom lord doom in this book is also really good because he's still yeah. doom but even when he's trying to like this is more kind of like secret wars doom like kind of doing something on a larger scale with a larger vision and he's it's kind of good to have him interacting with these other heroes and them trying to work together for a mutual goal but uh yeah there's a lot to slog through in this first like a lot of marvel mysticism talk you gotta but it looks like it's going somewhere like i would say i'm definitely gonna like continue on and and read this and watch where it goes because i think it's going to be way more action-packed in the future yeah and we've been discussing this with comic first issues because we cover a lot of first Mm -hmm. issues obviously but we're kind of saying like there is this obligation that you kind of if it's going to be like something that's more fast-paced and action-packed, oh, breaking my whole computer here. <laughs> fast-paced and action-packed, then you gotta have to kind of sacrifice that first issue to do all the preamble and the setup and establishment. Yeah. So hopefully now, because I mean, there is a world that Doom travels to that's a hell world that you know Ch- Chathon is conquered, and like this could get real real fast. So I'm hoping we hit the ground running from here on out. Yeah. But that's it for comics. I'm sure Matt has a larger rundown, but he ain't here. So <laughs> did anybody have anything they want to mention or just kind of toss out there? I haven't watched Squid Game yet. I'm going to get into it this weekend. Same. I'm really yeah, because we're going to talk that. Squid yeah. Game. I love Korean yes. cinema. I'm getting into this. Most success- It's on the way to being the most successful show of Netflix of all time. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk some Squid Game, but uh, I'm going to start that this weekend. Uh, that, so that's my only mention. Ladies, did you guys have any? Um, what we do in the shadows out? is just so, yeah. so good for this time of year. If you're getting in that spoopy mind frame, it, this is just such a great show. You can binge it and you'll laugh. And it's just so perfect for Halloween vibes. Oh, yeah. And uh, Sopranos Connection. Janice Soprano was on uh, was on an episode of this current oh. season. Yeah, she was Nandor's, Nandor's like uh, reoccurring girlfriend. Oh my yeah, gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, this, that was, oh. she's lost a lot of weight from that show, but she loved is, uh, her. Yeah, she's Tony Soprano's sister, and she was, yeah, she's oh. Nandor's like lover. Yeah, and she was great on that episode. Uh, yeah. yeah, and the Ocean's Eleven episode has also been really great. So, yeah, love so what they do in the shadows. Yeah, so Jackie good. Daytonia, baby. Jackie Daytonia. All right. <laughs> so, that's a good shout out. Jamie Jerick, uh, you want to shout out anything? Uh, yeah, I got a little plug. I have another podcast called Hollywood Already Did It, and we were we pair um, the the Disney Plus Marvel shows with uh, like Hawkeye. We're gonna do um, Christmas action movies, which is like my favorite thing on earth. But uh, this week for What If, we're doing uh, all the Punisher movies. And so, if you want to hear me talk about how much I loved the Dolph Lundgren Punisher, <laughs> like loved it, um, uh, keep an eye out for that. <laughs> Yay! I, love, I grew up with Dolph Lundgren and loving it in testosterone kind of 80s 90s action movies walked out of the first one with Tom Jane here in Nashville while I was working in the theater and it was free got walked out of that and the second one I, I couldn't make it to the end so I, I am the world's biggest John Travolta fan in the whole entire universe and, and I still think the 2004 Punisher might be the worst Marvel movie ever <laughs> it's, it's really close alright so alright that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation we gotta get a hard out of here today so we are going to end it there I want to thank Jamie Jirak for hopping on if you want to catch more me. of her and her awesome opinions every Wednesday on our Marvel podcast Fave Zero where she hosts alongside Brandon Davis and a whole other side of our awesome comic book staff, Aaron, Jenna, like a bunch of people over there. So be sure to check that out. It's easy. It's on the same Twitch channel or you, all you got to do is basically just, or YouTube, just basically, or a Facebook channel, just Wednesdays at noon instead of Fridays at noon. So phase zero, you can catch Jamie over there. Uh, As for us, we are a comic book nation and we are here every Friday at noon on Twitch, Facebook, 
and YouTube. If you missed the show while we are live, you can just watch back on any of those platforms or download the audio on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or any smart home device. Just say, play Comic Book Nation podcast and it'll do the work for you. If you like the show, follow us at Comic Book Nation. If you want to talk to us individually, you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler on Twitch and all the socials. Uh, I'm Jamie Cinematics on Twitter and Letterboxd. All right. There you go. Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, this has been, I almost said Face Zero, Comic Book Nation. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Peace. Bye, guys. (laughs) 